Welcome back to Informed and Inflamed, where we seek to inform our minds with truth in order to inflame our hearts with love for God and neighbor. I'm Brad Owens, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another episode. Continuing to make our way through God's big story by using the acronym Cracker Jack. Last time we looked at Genesis 1 and 2 and talked about creation, and this time we're going to look at Genesis 3 and the rebellion that took place there. So rebellion is our R word in the Cracker Jack acrostic. And as we think about the rebellion and disobedience of Adam and Eve, as well as our own, we're going to unpack five different dimensions to our rebellion. And those five dimensions are, number one, the vertical dimension of substitution, two, the horizontal dimension of opposition, three, the internal dimension of contamination, four, the legal dimension of punishment, and five, the universal dimension of ruin. I've got another acronym for you to help you hang on to these five dimensions of our rebellion against God. You can keep these five dimensions in mind with the word crops. These are the devastating things that crop up and grow out of our rebellion against God. These are the crops that spring up from the soil of our sinful hearts. But they are contamination, the internal dimension, ruin, the universal dimension, opposition, the horizontal dimension, punishment, the legal dimension, and substitution, the vertical dimension. And these five realities give us a good summary of what the Bible says about our rebellion against the Lord. So let's walk briefly through each of these five dimensions of our rebellion against God. So first is contamination, which is the internal dimension of sin. Adam and Eve, as the first human beings, served as representatives of the rest of humanity. So that's why Romans 5.19, comparing the result of Adam's rebellion with the result of Christ's redemption— says this, For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, that's talking about Adam, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. That's Christ. And the verse before that says that the trespass of one, talking about Adam, led to condemnation for all men. So as our representative, Adam's disobedience plunged the whole of mankind into condemnation and ruin. And part of what we inherit from him is the contamination of our hearts. Our hearts are polluted and corrupt now, and we are conceived this way. Psalm 51 verse 5 says, Surely I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And Genesis 6 verse 5 says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. That is us without Christ. Corrupt, evil, selfish hearts bent on rebellion against God. And Jesus reminded us that it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. That's Luke 6.45. But our unkind words and our sinful decision and all the bad things in our lives flow from our contaminated hearts. Because of this heart contamination, we understand that there are actually no good people the only exception, of course, is Jesus. But sometimes we say, say things like, do you know Bob? You know, he's, he's such a good guy. 
And we understand what a person means when they say that, but we always need to remember that in biblical categories, we are not good. We are some of the bad guys in the biblical story. Greg Gilbert, in his book, What is the Gospel?, summarizes the corruption of our hearts this way. He says, So thorough is sin's rule over us, our minds, understanding, and will, that we see God's glory and goodness, and we inevitably turn away from it in disgust. You see, in our sin, we don't even want God. And that sinful aversion to God that reveals the contamination inside of us is what Jesus comes to address. He comes to pay the penalty our sins deserve. He comes to change our hearts and to remake us in his good and glorious image. After we come to know the Lord, this is the lifelong process we call sanctification. Through this process of change, we are gradually made more and more like Jesus as the Holy Spirit works on our hearts. The Spirit uses all sorts of things to purify the contamination in our hearts. Things like the suffering we experience, good Christian friends, rich worship music, and so much more. But the primary way the Holy Spirit changes us is through God's Word, which is why regular engagement with God's Word, both individually and in corporate worship with God's people on Sundays, is so very important. These are times in which the Spirit is at work in our hearts in powerful and life-changing ways. Paul, speaking of the centrality and power of God's Word in a Christian's life, says this in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Charles Spurgeon once said that backsliding begins with dusty Bibles. He said it another way too. He also said, a Bible that is falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. If we want to experience lasting change and to grow in love for our precious Savior and King, then we must make God's Word a priority in our lives. We must immerse ourselves in it often, soaking in the grace and courage our hearts so desperately need. So contamination is the internal dimension of sin, And the second letter in our CROPS acronym is R, which stands for ruin, which is the universal dimension of sin. But because of human sinfulness, the entire creation has been subjected to a curse. After Adam and Eve disobey God in Genesis 3, the Lord curses the ground as a result of their rebellion. Romans 8, verses 21 and 22, echoing the initial curse put on creation, says this, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Because of humanity's sin, all of creation has been ruined, and it desperately needs to be restored. Thankfully, the gospel also has a universal cosmic dimension to it. As one commentary I was reading recently on Philippians said, the salvation Christ brings is cosmic in scope and means to undo the damage of Adam's sin. I love that Christmas hymn, Joy to the World, and especially that line in the song that says, he comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. The ruin that our sin has brought into the world is going to be undone by the grace of God in the end. 
As far as the curse is found, as far as the ruin has spread, God's grace will restore and make everything right. Because of this universal and cosmic dimension of the gospel, Ken Gentry says we should expect in history what God originally intended for history. God's powerful gospel continues just like yeast in dough, slowly working its way throughout the world, bringing about change in people's hearts and lives. God's grace has a glorious ripple effect. It flows out from a person's changed heart into his relationships and decisions, into his family, and family transformation flows out into church and community transformation. And it even goes so far as to transform entire societies and cultures. God's grace is powerful and gives us every reason to hope for the change we long to see in the world. But it also calls us to action. We must do what we can to right the wrongs we see around us, trusting that God will continue working in the midst of brokenness as he always has. And of course, the fullness of change the world will experience will not come until his return at the end of history and ushers us into the new heavens and the new earth. Only then will evil be entirely vanquished and removed from the world and his glorious return to heal his broken world and to dwell eternally with his people is our ultimate hope. So ruin is the universal dimension of sin. And the third letter in our CROPS acronym is O, which stands for opposition, the horizontal dimension of sin. When we look at Genesis 3 and the chapters that immediately follow, we see that the horizontal relationships between people begin going wrong as soon as the vertical relationship between God and humanity is broken. After Adam and Eve rebel against God's good and loving authority, they begin blame shifting and pointing the finger somewhere else. Adam blames his wife. Eve blames the serpent. Like we do so often, they sought to deflect the blame rather than own up to it themselves. In Genesis 4, we see Cain murder his brother, another horrible horizontal result of the vertical breakdown of relationship between God and his human creatures. In Genesis 6-9, through 9, we have the story about Noah and the flood. Mankind's sin had become so widespread and so bad that God decided in his justice to wipe them all out except for Noah and his family. Genesis 6 verse 11 specifically says that part of the problem was that the earth was filled with violence. Again, horizontal problems quickly flow out of the vertical problem of alienation from God. Human relationships become characterized by opposition and hostility rather than by joyful friendship. We can see this in our own lives too, can't we? What we find in these biblical accounts is a reflection of what we find in our own lives and relationships. When we neglect our relationship with the Lord, temptations are harder to resist. When we're not seeking the Lord from our hearts, relational problems can grow. We may hold on to a grudge or gossip about someone when they're not around. We may lash out in anger toward our spouse or children or parent. Of course, even when we are pursuing the Lord, Relational problems are going to be there, but it is true that our vertical relationship with God is going to affect our horizontal relationships. That's why it's so important for us to seek the Lord, remembering that He and He alone can change our hearts and give us the grace we need to navigate the troubles and trials life throws at us. As we grow, 
hostility can be replaced with harmony, and relationships marked by opposition can become ones in which love and kindness are the defining characteristics. But remember these words from Paul Tripp. He says, We can't give to others what we have not first received from God. The vertical always influences and flows into the horizontal. We, of course, cannot fix all our relational problems, but every horizontal problem we experience in relationship with others can serve as a catalyst for finding our deepest joy and our every need fulfilled in our vertical relationship with God. So opposition is the horizontal dimension of sin, and the fourth letter in our CROPS acronym is punishment, which is the legal dimension of our rebellion. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages are what an employee earns or deserves for his or her work. So what the first half of this verse is saying is that we deserve death because of our sin. And in the Bible, death is not merely physical, but also spiritual and eternal. As Ephesians 2 says, we are now dead in sin and need a spiritual resurrection to occur in our hearts if we are to truly live again. 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 8 and 9 speaking of Christ's return at the end of history, says, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. So everyone who does not embrace the good news of Jesus, crucified for sinners, will be punished with everlasting destruction in hell. As it says, they will be shut out from the presence of the Lord. That is the destiny of those who reject Jesus. Whenever we think about hell, though, which is a sobering reality to consider, it's good to remember something Ray Ortland says about it. He says, Hell is for people who could have enjoyed the love of God, but held back. That is something we always need to keep in mind. A way of escape from the punishment we deserve has been provided. But as I tell our youth students, the gospel is like sunscreen. The protective benefits of sunscreen do you no good if you don't apply it to yourself. And it's the same with the gospel. The good news must be responded to and applied by turning and trusting, turning away from sin and trusting Christ alone for salvation from the punishment we deserve. This is what we must ensure we have done ourselves, and this is what we call others to as well. Our repentance and faith, or our turning and trusting, does not earn us God's love, It simply expresses the fact that our hearts have been changed by God's grace. In Christ, the punishment for sin has been dealt with. God's wrath has been removed from over our heads. And this happened all because Jesus stepped forward as our substitute. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord laid our sins on Jesus. He crushed him for them, and only because of that can we be set free from the penalty for sin. Only in Christ can salvation be found. So punishment is a legal dimension of our rebellion, and our last letter in our CROPS acronym is S, which stands for substitution, and that's the vertical dimension of sin. Substitution is at the very heart of our sin and rebellion against God. Romans 1, verses 23 and 25 
talk about how humanity has exchanged or replaced the truth about God with a lie. And we have chosen to serve created things rather than our creator. We have made a dreadful decision to set other things on the thrones of our hearts in place of God. And this is what the Bible also calls idolatry. And in the words of the New City Catechism, it says, idolatry is trusting in created things rather than our creator for our hope and happiness, significance, and security. I love this description because it highlights why we find other things so attractive. In our idolatry, we are looking for things in all the wrong places, but the things we look for are good things. God longs for us to find hope and happiness, significance and security, but he intends for us to find those things in him. Try as we might, we will not find lasting satisfaction outside of Christ. If we want to be truly happy, we must go to him because he is the one we were created to know and love. The darkest side of our rebellion is that we prefer to look for satisfaction in anything but God. And going back to our first point, contamination, there's a deeply rooted aversion to God in our hearts. So we make substitutes that stand in his place. We dethrone the one true God from his rightful place over our lives, and we set up idols, things we turn to for a sense of fulfillment, but that cannot give us what we most deeply long for. Another way the Bible describes our idolatry is by comparing it to adultery. The book of Hosea, for example, does this, and Ray Ortland has some helpful comments about this. He says, Whenever our sinful hearts don't find the love of our divine husband satisfying, we take our anxiety, our loneliness, or our needs to other remedies and comforts that leave God out, and we commit spiritual adultery. Like a husband looking for satisfaction in someone other than his wife, we too look elsewhere to find what we want. We turn to cheap substitutes instead of to God. Substitution, though, is not only at the heart of our sin, but it's also at the heart of our salvation. Because Jesus took our place as a condemned sinner, even though he was sinless, we can take his place in God's presence as his beloved sons and daughters. Here's Charles Spurgeon again. He says this of all those who are united to Christ by faith. You stand before God as if you were Christ because Christ stood before God as if he were you. We can stand before God, beloved and embraced because Christ stood before God, rejected and justly punished. And that truly is the greatest news we will ever hear. That's all for episode 19 of Informed and Inflamed. Thanks so much for joining me, and I look forward to connecting with you again next time.